So, two of my favorite movies that have nothing to do with one another, well, kind of sort of, are Remember the Titans and Guardians of the Galaxy. Two of my favorite movies. Now, Remember the Titans is based on a true story, on true events, and Guardians of the Galaxy is based on a comic book. Both things go really well in my world, right? And so what they have in common, the thing I love about them, besides the fact that when they're on TV, I'm always going to watch them, is soundtracks. My two favorite movie soundtracks, and for a guy who doesn't listen to movie soundtracks, I say in a whole lot. Okay, and the one thing they have in common is a song by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell called Ain't No Mountain, right? Very familiar song. It's a song about full devotion, and, the, and there's a tagline that goes something like this. There ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, babe. Like the babe part, right? So, uh, and when I sing it, in my car, which I do sometimes, it's, well, it's really bad. But anyway, that's a whole different conversation. It's loud, it's bad, it's off-key, and I don't know what a key is, so I've been told that it's off-key by my daughter who doesn't know what a key is, so it must be bad. But anyway, I digress. And so, but I love that song because it is a song about full devotion. And so I want to read you a little note about full devotion. Now, I'm not going to tell you how I found this, but, you know, Wes used to be quite the note writer. And uh, I found a note, you know, you go stooping through someone's house, you can find stuff. And I found this note that Wes wrote to his wife when they were dating. And I'll tell you, it's all about full devotion. So I want you, it goes like this. Dear, my dearest Leanne, and I don't know if he's dearest, really? Okay. There is nothing I would not do for you. I would climb the highest mountain just to be with you. I would swim the deepest ocean just to hear your voice. It sounds like the words of a song. I would cross a desert just to spend five minutes in your presence. Sometimes I call your cell phone just to hear your voicemail. I cannot wait for our date this coming Friday. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Sounds good, right? But that's not the end of it. P.S. If it's raining this Friday, we'll have to cancel. Just wax the car and I don't want her to get her out and get her wet. <laughs> so it is a song about full devotion. And it worked out really well for him. I mean, it, apparently he left the car, and that was kind of cool how that worked out. But, you know, we think about full devotion. We think about what it is to follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus, as we've been talking about for the past few weeks, requires full devotion. And full devotion is about being all the way in. You can't be part of the way in. You have to be all the way in. And all the way in is what we call a disciple. And a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus a person, a passionate pursuer of Jesus, a person who lives as if he or she is actually taking Jesus seriously. Now, we, as we've talked about for the past few weeks, so let me remind you one more time, you know, we, we are call ourselves Christians. We don't use the word disciple a lot anymore or follower. And so sometimes, because we've Americanized Christianity to some degree, we're like, okay, we're Christians, but then there's like levels of being a Christian. There's followers, and they kind of operate at a different level. And then there's disciples, and they operate at a whole different level. We're like Navy SEAL Christians, right? But the truth is, a disciple is a Christian. A Christian is a follower. A follower is a disciple. It is all the same thing. All means the same thing. All in, fully devoted. And we've been talking about words that describe a fully devoted follower. We talked about words like love and abide follow and obey. And we've been talking about those words for the past few weeks. So we're going to kind of wrap this up this week with our last word, and that is the word go. To move from one place to another. I mean, that's what it means to go, right? You can't 
sit still if you're going to go, to leave where you are, to be where you need to be, to do what you need to do. That's what it means to go, right? And, and so Jesus says it this way in John chapter 20, as the Father sent me, I now send you. In other words, as I was sent, I'm sending you. And to be sent means you have to go. To go means you have to get up from where you are, to go where you're supposed to be, to stop doing what you're doing, and do something else. And followers of Jesus are all about going. And so here's the question we're going to talk about as we kind of wrap through this whole thing. Are you willing to going and doing or sitting and watching? Disciples do not sit and watch. Disciples go and do. Jesus says it this way. Jesus came to his followers just Matthew 18, the Great Commission as we call it. Excuse me, Matthew 28. Verse 18, Jesus came to and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, Jesus said, right now, I can say anything. And this is if God is speaking to you. So this is what he says. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is really, really clear. I, don't, I want you to go and do, not sit and watch. We are really good at sitting and watching. We're really good at it. I am really, really good at it on Saturdays. Um, after we got back from Statesboro yesterday, I did a lot of sitting and watching. And I sat and I watched until late in the night. And every once in a while, my wife, because she's doing stuff, and she's going and doing while I sit and I watch, she is asking me to do things, so I have to get up and go do what she asked me to do. Cool stuff. Fun stuff. Into the dishwasher. Sounds fun. Who, would, who wouldn't want to do that when watch football, right? And so, but it's okay, because here's the thing. Sometimes we like to sit and watch when we're supposed to go and do. And Jesus says, people who are all into me, people who are devoted to me, people who are committed to following me are goers and doers. The question is, what's the benefit of going and doing? I mean, why should I do that? I mean, that's really the question we need to ask, right? So I'm going to go and do what's, what's the upside? And so I want to remind you of something we talked about uh, back last fall, and I just want to share some things with you. And here's what I want to remind you. When you go and you do, this is what happens. God can use your story to change someone else's story. That's what happens when you go and you do. God uses your story to change someone else's story. When you sit and you watch, God can't use you to do anything. When you go and you do, God can use you to change someone's story. And that's what going and doing is all about. Go and make disciples of all nations. Why? That's going and doing. Change someone's story. That's the whole point. And so think about this. God can use your story to change the direction of someone's life. God can use your story to help someone who's in having a tough time. God can use your story to help somebody to keep their head above the water. God can use your story to help somebody who is broken down and beaten down from life. To know that there's nothing that they can do that's so horrible that grace can't cover. When we sit and we watch, people miss out on that. When we go and we do, we get a chance to change someone's story. 
And when you change someone's story, there's a whole nother thing, because here's the other part of this, because God wants to use us, our story, to change someone's eternity. Because that's really what it's all about. That's what going and doing is all about. It's about changing someone's eternity. It's about someone who's headed to hell that gets to go to heaven. That's what it's all about anyway. Because here's what I know, and I've been thinking about this a lot in the past few months, how God's story interacts with my story and how God's story has been changing my story for the past few months and how my story has the potential to help someone else change their story. All of us are in the same boat. My story, your story, our story. This church has a history of stories where lives have been changed and touched and people have been ministered to. That's not going to end just because we move out on 301. We're just going to kick it into a whole nother gear. We're going to build on what's been done. We're going to make an eternal difference in people's lives because that's what God has called us to do. That's what happens when you go and you do. When we sit and we watch, none of that happens. So here's the deal. Consider this. Will you choose to go to step out of your comfort into the mission that God has called you to? That's the first question. Will you choose to go and step out of your comfort? Because you know me, I've, I've shared with you before, I am a creature of comfort, especially when I go to restaurants. Two or three things is all I eat most every place. And usually it's two, and most of the time it's one. Because I don't like, um, 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 because when I'm standing behind them, I'm going, just order! All right? I mean, I don't say it out loud. I don't think I've, well, I may not have ever said it out loud, but usually I'm thinking that, right? Just order something. I mean, you, you're in the car. You think about this. I like my comfort. I like my comfy chair with a broken arm that my buddy gave, Ray gave me and my wife wants to get rid of, but there's no way that chair is going anywhere. I like my comfy chair. If you're in my comfy chair and you come to my house, you're going to probably get up. Unless your name is Riley Jane, she can sit there as long as she wants to. Everybody else got to get up. We choose comfort over mission. To go and do means we choose mission over comfort. That's what we sign up for when we follow Jesus. Here's the next thing to consider. Will you choose to go and minister to the one that God's placed in your path? I cannot tell you how in the past month God has kicked my tail on this one. I have found myself avoiding people. Because I didn't want to minister to them. And I'm ashamed of that. I'm going to venture to guess I'm not the only person who can tell that story. When we choose to go, because here's what, we, here's what I know. God puts people in your path for his benefit. That's what he does. So when he does, what are you going to do? That's the question. Here's the next question to consider. Will you choose to go from the who you are to become the who that God wants you to be? Because here's the deal, and it's really simple. God loves you for who you are. God loves me for who I am. But he loves me too much. He loves you too much to leave us where we are. That's what the cross was all about, becoming the who we are to the who God wants us to be. To do that, you have to go. We have to choose to go. We have to go and do instead of sit and watch. Will you choose to go? You can be content to sit on the sidelines and stay. When you sit and stay, you can watch. When you sit and stay, you can criticize. 
I told you all a few weeks back after Georgia lost to South Carolina, my favorite thing to do is troll Facebook when Georgia doesn't do what fans think they should do. It's my favorite thing to do. I'm almost, I probably shouldn't take joy in it, but I really take pleasure in it. Because people are really irrational, and it's really cool how everyone's an expert from their living room or from the stands or from the side of the fence. Everyone's an expert. But people who go and do, they have skin in the game. People who sit and watch have nothing invested. And I don't care if you paid $100 for a ticket to go somewhere, you have nothing invested in the outcome of the game. Because you don't sweat in it. People who go and do, they have, they have investment in the outcome. People who sit on the sidelines, who sit and watch, they don't. The people who are the most critical in life are the people who tend to sit and watch. And that's just a fact. The people in life who irritate me the most as you've figured out already, are people who sit and watch and criticize. Love them for who they are. Just want them to go and do. That's the deal. So I want to take you back in time to a year ago. And a year ago, we cast vision. We talked about kingdom dreams. We talked about Matthew 25. We talked about Luke 15. Now, we're not going to talk a lot about Matthew 25 today. But I want to go back and revisit Luke 15. Because Luke 15 is about going and doing. That's what it's all about. Man, now, Matthew 25 is about the same thing. But I want to remind you of the importance of Luke 15. Luke 15 and Matthew 25, in my humble opinion, the two most important chapters in the Bible. Matthew 25 is, is what the, I believe is what God wants the church to be. Luke 15 tells us clearly what God wants us to do. And so let me remind you some things that happened. So in Luke 15, there are these three stories that Jesus tells. And he tells this story about this shepherd got a hundred sheep and one gets lost and he has to make a decision right i got 99 left this one dumb one that went over here and, and you know didn't follow the instructions and didn't follow the pack he he's gone but i got 99 99 that's a lot 99 is more sheep than clint's got down the road he only has 50 and john's only got 35 i mean i got 99 i'm doing pretty well and that's the normal thing to do. That's what happens when you sit and you watch. But the shepherd decided to go and do. And he left the 99 to look for the one. And when he found the one, he put him up on his shoulders. He walked him back to the to home. He called all his buddies. He said, hey, guess what? I found my sheep. Didn't know he was lost. Yeah, I've been looking for him for a week. And he celebrated there's a woman, she's got 10 coins, and she loses one. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you had 10 coins in that day and age, you were doing pretty good. She wasn't just scraping by. She had 10, she lost one, she's got nine. But nine, you know, that's more than most people have. Nine's pretty good. Okay with nine. I can sit and watch and be content, or I can go and do. She chose to go and do. She chose to tear her house apart, look for the one. She found her coin. She called her friends, and she had a party. And then there is maybe my favorite parable in the entire Bible. Parable of the prodigal son. Or as I like to call it, the parable of the lost boys. Because I can relate to one of these two. And here's what I'm going to tell you up front. It is my humble opinion 
and I could be wrong, that most people can relate to one of these two boys on some level. So the youngest son goes to his dad and says, look, here's the deal. I know one day you're going to die. That's pretty cool. That's right. And when you die, I'm going to get this. I want it now. Now, if that's my kid, I'm going, first of all, there's nothing for you to get. Second of all, you need to go somewhere else before I'm grateful just to have one child. But the father said, okay. And he gave him what he wanted, and the boy left, and the prodigal leaves. And the prodigal, man, he did everything you can imagine under the sun. Everything. And then he lost everything he had under the sun. And then he got so desperate and so hungry in a foreign land that a Jewish boy started to feed the pigs, which would never happen in Israel. And then a Jewish boy in a foreign land was so hungry and so desperate and so broken and so shattered that he started eating pig feed. And then one day he had a revelation. He said, you know, in my, in my father's house, they're servants, and they have more than enough. They have plenty of everything. They're doing pretty well. I'm going to go home and just beg to be a servant. And he went home. Now, the cool thing about the story is the father. The father was not sitting and watching. The father decided to go and do, and every day the father went out to look for his son. Every day. And if you're a dad, you can imagine what that's like. To go and look for your lost son every day. He could have sat and watched. He decided to go and do. And when he saw his son, he brought him in. His son started his speech. And the dad brought him in and, and put the best clothes on him and, and gave him and threw a party for him. And everyone's good except for the other boy who's in the field working, working, working. And hey, there's commotion. What, what's going on with the house? Your brother's back. Your dad wants you to come home. I'm not going home. He's a jerk. He left. He's an ingrate. You can't leave and come here lately and think you're going to get the benefit of being the father's son. Which is exactly what some people tend to think when someone does some horrible things in their life and they become a Christian and there are people who are cynical and go, you know what, they, they, they've, lived their, they've done all they want to do now, they just want to get into heaven. Yes! What's wrong with that? But there are a lot of us who are cynical and bothered and, and you know, we just, we just don't like this. And so this boy was like that and he would not go home and the father could have said, my, my baby's home. I'm going to sit and watch. We're going to have a party. But he chose to go and do. He went out and he tried to bring his boy back into the fold. It's a picture of what we're supposed to do. And they all have three things in common. Something was lost and it was failed. Someone went to look for what was lost, which means they, instead of sitting and watching, they chose to go and do. In order to look for something lost, you have to go from where you are. You have to get up. You got to do something. Do you want to go and do? Or do you want to sit and watch? Followers of Jesus, go and do. People who want to 
have Jesus on their terms, as we've been talking about for the past few weeks, they sit and they watch. And they moan and they groan and they complain. Complain about grace, complain about mercy, complain about forgiveness, complain about this, complain about that. It's what sitters and watchers do. So we think of go. I want to I I kind of wrap this up with a story uh, from Mark's gospel. And in Mark's gospel, there's a story about this guy, and he's a Gentile. And he is possessed by thousands of demons. And he lives in the cemetery. And he runs around naked. He, people are afraid of him. Uh, they've tried to tie him up with chains and ropes. He just breaks somebody. He's just, he is a crazy dude, right? And he's a mess. And his family and his community have given up on him. But Jesus doesn't give up on people. And so Jesus meets this guy. Guy runs at him and you know, tries to scare Jesus. And the disciples are probably freaking out because that's what I'd be doing. Naked dude running at me. What are we going to do? Jesus is like, hey, what's up? I mean, that's kind of what happened. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And there's people, hey, you don't know, you don't know who this guy is. I got a good feel. And he cast the demons out. And they run into the pigs, and the pigs go off to the side of the embankment. And, you know, Jews don't like pigs anyway, so that's okay. And the pigs are gone. And he gets in his right frame of mind, and he's a normal human being whose story's been changed by Jesus. He's just like us. He's a person whose story's been changed by Jesus. If you're a Christian, your story's been changed by Jesus. If you're a Christian, you have a story to tell. You don't have to know anything about the Bible to tell your story. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. That's what people say all the time. Well, I don't, I don't really know a lot about the Bible. You know what? You don't have to know anything about the Bible to know what Jesus has done in your life. You just have to know what he's done to be willing to tell that story to someone who needs to hear it when they need to hear it. And so Jesus heals this guy. And it's just it's simple. He didn't quote scripture. He didn't do it. He just said, hey, demons, pigs, go. Take off. And they did. And so then the guy's there in his right frame of mind, and there's Jesus, and all he wants to do is go be with Jesus. And what's wrong with that, right? I mean, he just wants to go be with Jesus, and he says, I just want to go be with you. But this is what Jesus says. He has a better plan. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man left him again to tell the people in the ten towns, that's Decapolis, about what Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. If ever, if ever, you, your marriage has been to the point of almost no return, but you, you made it through. You have a story to tell somebody who's going to be in the same boat one day. If you've ever suffered an unimaginable loss and the grief just knocks you on the ground, one day you're going to have a story to tell somebody. Maybe... You're one of those folks who kind of, you, you, you kind of abandoned Jesus, kind of did your own thing, like the prodigal. But you found yourself, you found your way back because somebody intervened in your life. If you've ever abandoned Jesus and found your way back, you have a story to tell somebody who needs to hear it. Jesus didn't tell the guy, hey, come with me. He said, no, go home. 
This is what describes the life of a follower, and it's really, really simple. Go and tell what the Lord has done for you. That's what followers do. Followers go and do. They go, they do, they go, they tell. They do it because they can change someone's life. They can change someone's eternity. And so it's really, really simple. Are you going to go and do? Are you going to sit and watch? That's, it's as simple as that. We're grateful, Lord, for um, your mercy, your forgiveness, the story of the cross. It's changed our life. It's changed our eternity. It's helped us move from who we are to the who we need to be. You are always wanting to change stories. When you, when Jesus met people, he changed their story, he changed their eternity, he changed the direction of their life, he changed everything. And that's what you've called us to do, the same thing. So Lord, I pray that you will lead us to live like your followers, to go and to do and not sit and watch. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.